Hello and welcome back to QBR Podcast Live Part 2. We still have with us Clint Hill, Sean Derry, but we are joined by another club legend, the one and only Kevin Gallen. All right, Hi. Hi. It wouldn't be a live podcast without you up here. How many years have you been on the podcast? Every year. Every year. I get dragged here every year. Every year. Wouldn't be the same. So, this part is questions from everybody who's here tonight for Clint, Sean, and Kev. And we have the first question from Jack. Okay, it's for all of you. It's a bit brutal. Who's the worst player either of you have ever played with? <laughs> Good question. Nice smooth one there, mate. Thanks, pal. I'm going. Remember, uh, remember Crystal Palace? How long have we got? Right. You put yourself in there. <laughs> it's going to be a half an hour. I'm going Crystal Palace. I think me and Clinton have the same, the same people one. here. Are you going Crystal I'm going Palace? in Senny in Dai at Crystal Palace. I'm going. He was. Yeah. He was says rubbish. It says it all. <laughs> Nobody knows him. But he was about eight foot, wasn't he? He was eight foot two. He could. What like he say? Could you, can, you can all player. have a player who wasn't at QPR, but you all have to name a QPR player. <laughs> There's no way you can beat mo- any of mine. I've got about five. <laughs> what was your mind from Coach Holton? Oh. <laughs> what was the name? Oh. This is arse, this. This is arse. Amil, Amil. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was not... Uh, Who's that, sorry? Armel, yeah, Armel. So I'll tell you a quick story, quickly. It could take about ten minutes, this. We played... Um, we didn't have a pre It was pre-season. We didn't have a, a game, so we organised um, 11 v 11 on a Saturday morning between... Ourselves, proper kit, a home and away kit, and Armel was the first time he actually seen Armel uh, play football. So he gets the ball in centre mid. And my brother Joe, who was at the club at the time, he was training the youth team on another pitch. So he's hit a diagonal. <laughs> well, it's flew past Joe's head on the other pitch and hit basically nearly hit a youth team player. And we all just looked around and said, Oh my God. And that was pretty much the end of Armel at QPR. But sure. there was some. There were some other classics. There was another lad um, who's. I think his dad paid because we were struggling for money at the time. His dad paid to, um, for him to come in, and basically, I think he was sort of paying the wages. But this lad uh, turned up on trial for two weeks, and we was just looking at him. Give it. He's no. He's. He's not even Sunday League. This lad, and he's going around telling all the youth team players who are. Desperate for pro contracts. Yeah, I've just signed a two-year contract. So they've gone absolutely bananas with the management. How's he got a pro contract? We haven't got anything. This is a disgrace. Well, there was a story. He played in the reserves and he was a right back. But for that game, he had to play left back. Because he played right back and Tim Breaker said to him, when you get the ball from a throw in, just throw it down the line. I don't care. Just don't throw it inside. Just throw it down the line. But because he played left back, <laughs> he couldn't get his bearings right, and basically was just throwing it off the pitch. <laughs> so Tim took him off. This was the best bit. So Tim, who played for West Ham, Luton, who was like played top level football for 15, 20 years. Tim took him off. And uh, he walked off the pitch, mugged him off, and refused to get on the coach and got the train home. And was like, <laughs> this lad shouldn't even have been there. But I'm not going to name his name, but it's a true story. But you, uh, you can work it out, Paul. Sh- Sean, work it out. Worst player at Rangers. This is really nice. Harsh. Positive question we started with. Th- th- this is really they had, good, they had good really team. Harsh. Who went to Blackburn away when the Scandinavian midfielder hit the bar with a worldie? Van Peter Peter Van Moen? Peter Van Moen. Gonna be a better story about him. I wouldn't wouldn't say he was the worst, but he was the weakest man I've ever met in a game of football. (laughs) 
He was the softest player you've ever played against. Seriously? Oh, Paul. Could just, like, give him three or four words and he'd be in tears. I felt for him, mate. I felt for him. We ruined him. Clint, he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready for first-team football. He really wasn't. And I'll go up there and say the same. But one of the funniest moments I've ever had was with Neil Warnock, where we had this kit man who who was desperate to play football. Desperate. He used to put the cones out for the the coaches, mark out the pitches, and he's going, gaffer, gaffer, I want to play. So I think we're playing Tiverton, weren't we? In a pre-season friendly. Pre-season friendly's gone. Before you go on, Tiverton, away. Neil Warnock used to take us away. We used to have his um, painter and decorator play. His gardener play. <laughs> he used to have his um, used to have auntie and uncle play, the didn't he? Whatever, whoever could help him, he'd make sure they play in a game. <laughs> so whatever needed working on at home, yeah, no, no problem, son, you can play. So all of a sudden, the, the kit fella said, no, I fancy a game, gaffer. Going, you know what, son? I'll give you a game. He's given 20 minutes against Tiverton. The first thing he's done, the ball's gone 30 foot in the air. And he's running, and you can see him, he's so excited, his eyes are on the ball. Three people are running at him, and he's wiped out all of them with a headbutt. <laughs> Just with a headbutt, a clean headbutt, nothing else. And he's knocked out on the floor. We thought he was dead. Yeah. We had to get him off. So he's lasted 30 seconds, mate. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in football. But this guy had gold Neil teeth, didn't he? Over. he? had gold teeth yeah. all the way around there, he lost about four of them. <laughs> OK, the next question... This is a two-pass for Clint. When we beat Leeds 1-0, was it special score against Paddy Kenny? Oh. Next part of the question, who's your favourite keeper to play with at QPR? Wow. Good question. Good goal, because it was a right-foot volley. Never, ever, ever use my right foot. Shank. Ever. Shin. Shinner. Great shinner. <laughs> to score against Paddy is always a pleasure, because what a character he is, isn't he? I mean, I think that year he played with us, he was, he was unbelievable, wasn't he? Eyebrow, eyebrows, eyebrows. Well, yeah, that's the least of his problems. But um, <laughs> I think he kept twenty clean sheets that season, didn't he? And he had a remember with all he, that help, like. But... Can, can you remember when he had an argument <laughs> with um, the Italian? What's the name? The Gianni Palladini. Because <laughs> about a watch, wasn't he? About, about a watch. A watch yeah. yeah. He, Gianni he, he, promised him a watch. If he, oh, he, he promised us watches. Sheets. He promised uh, us houses. <laughs> You got fuck all. <laughs> you win today, lads. You get a house. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so he's that promised. Goes, he, he's promised never. He promised a lad. Remember uh, a lad um, who signed uh, Serge Blanco, and then he uh, he signed only for six months. And then when he left in the January, Serge went straight up to him in front of. Him, Where's my watch, Johnny? Where's my watch, Johnny? We were looking at you. You were getting nothing. <laughs> So he promised, uh, he promised Paddy Kenny a watch. 20 clean sheets. Cl- 20 clean sheets, you, you get, a, get a Rolex watch. And he never delivered with his Rolex, got Rolex watch. I think he got a Brolex. <laughs> Something like that. God knows what it was. <laughs> did, did Paddy have a win with him? Of course he did. Have you ever met Paddy? Especially he's had a few beers. Jesus. <laughs> I, had a, I, I had a story. I talked to, to, a, to a quite famous Man City fan. And, and apparently after that... Uh, oh, now, I can't possibly name names, but after that 3D defeat, this, this bloke was on the piss with uh, Liam Gallagher. Liam Gallagher had to get a train home to London, which is, this is unlike Liam Gallagher, so he ended up going off with a few other people, bumps into Paddy Kenny at 2 o'clock in the morning in a nightclub in Manchester, and Paddy said, for Christ's sake, don't have your photo taken with me because I don't want any of the other lads to know I, I, I'm out on the lash. <laughs> so I don't know what you guys were doing, but that's what Paddy Kenny was doing that night. He was one of the biggest characters I've ever met. He was so bad in training, wasn't he? Oh, you said, seriously, you dive out the way of things? Yeah, he'd dive over the ball. And I'd go, Paddy, what are you doing? He'd go, I'm saving myself Saturday. Saturday, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't want to get injured. Did not want to get injured during the week, did he? Not a chance. Another question. Yeah, guys, uh, two-part question, this. Um, So we mentioned a polarising figure amongst QPR fans earlier on in Joey Barton, but obviously for that playoff final, our manager was Harry Redknapp. Clint, you played under him, obviously. Yeah. What, how, <laughs> um, what was your relationship with Harry? And also, second part, how's his knee? Has he had the surgery yet? Is he all right? <laughs> Good question. Good luck, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if I caused his knee injury with, by the time I jumped on his back, didn't I? He wasn't happy with me. He was absolutely fooling me, by the way, that celebration, yeah? Looked around at me and went, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> my knee, my knee! You'd be all right, you mate. Freaking hell. <laughs> just got a 
God knows what you got for a promotion bonus then, but he'll be fine. But um, <laughs> Harry, Harry's, Harry's a strange one. Um, I thought we'd done unbelievable. I thought we'd done unbelievable. That's that start of the season, we were unbelievable. But I think big credit's got to go to Steve McLaren as well because what a coach he was. He, he was, he was fantastic to work with. He got us working well. He got us organised. And then he, he decided to leave. Um, and listen, the, the, the deterioration started. Could he have been stronger in certain aspects? Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, it, it took an outside source to come in to reinvigorate us as a squad. Um, and like I said before, I think Joey's got a big part to play in that because he went out and sourced that and he realised what the problem was. Uh, and he came in, reinvigorated us, give us a purpose, give us up to aim for, and the results were there. Um, I appreciate Harry for what he did. <laughs> Can he take all the credit? I don't think so. Whilst we're on Steve Sorry. McLaren, <laughs> question for all of you, because there are rumours circulating that Ian Holloway's time might be up and that he might be replaced by Steve McLaren as QPR manager. Kev? What are... <laughs> what, Kev, Kev, answer this one. It's a two-part <laughs> question to all pull, three pull, of pull. you. Do you think Ian all Holloway should be given another season and what do you think about the rumours of Steve McLaren taking over? And good luck. For me, the fifth amendment. Sorry, mate. For me, um, okay, yep, survived, brilliant. I think we spoke on an, an earlier podcast. Um, I, I think as soon as you start lowering standards, uh, expectations, standards fall. Um, it, it's not a shock to me that when he changed systems, results improved. Started playing to, to play his strengths and, and what the actual squad was built for. Um, I think going on my past experiences in the three-five-two-five-three-two, whatever. There's a lot of confusion in the matter and you need to be worked at it and drilled at it on a 24-7 basis because it's such a strange position. Um, but listen, he's an icon at this club for what he's done as a player. He's achieved safety, if that's good or not, for QPR at the moment, I don't know. So uh, we have to give him a bit of credit. Steve is there McLaren. room for progress? Of course there is. Steve McLaren, potentially the next manager? Um, uh, I've worked with Steve Gallen. as a manager. Gallon. Gallon, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've answered that. Get away. It's your, your no, no, you're doing well, Clint. <laughs> keep going, keep going. <laughs> I well, like it. Well, Gallon. Why, 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 why? What do you Honestly. think, Kev? No comment. <laughs> no, 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 look. If you look at like, the season, um, it's, it's been okay. Away form has been poor. There's no doubt about that, is there? So home form has been good. I've, the last, even the last few months, even the turn of the year, there's been some really good performances. I look at the the Norwich game was excellent. Um, Sheffield Wednesday, and what was the last game yeah. I went to? The Birmingham yeah. game was excellent. But away form has let uh, has let the club, the team down, and let, let, let the club down now. Not just this season, but last season. So that's a massive needs, massive improvement. Someone, how many wins have we had? In, seven wins in two three, seasons away. Uh, three this season and three last season. Oh, so something like that. So that definitely needs because I think Ian Ian McCulloch said to me we've lost twenty five away under Holloway. Twenty six. Sorry. I mean that's obvious. That needs massive improvement, doesn't it? So if you can sort your away, if you sort the away form out, you can be pushing for the top ten. So. I don't know. Uh, I, th- I, think, I think he's done well in parts. I, I didn't agree with the five at the back. And the reason I didn't agree with the five at the back, because we haven't got the players, we ain't got the wing-backs. We haven't got wing-backs. And you have to have... I mean, uh, Bidwell's definitely not a wing-back because mm. he doesn't get forward enough. He's a good, steady uh, left-back in a four. I think everyone would agree with that. He's not a wing-back. And, and at times he was playing really far forward. Um, I think in the Nottingham Forest game, he was like playing left wing, and I was like, "What's what's going on?" So I think you got to get. I think whoever comes in needs to sort out a formation and pretty much stick with it. And and the best managers get a formation, stick with it because of what the players they got at their disposal. So we'll see. You're all good politicians. Thank you. (laughs) This question is more for Sean and Clint. the second season when Mark Hughes, his first full season, who's the most destructive player in the dressing room? Who calls the most aggro? Good luck. Good Joey Barton. 
was definitely the most destructive, but... For the right reasons, yeah, absolutely. Joey was just a lunatic, wasn't he? You know, can you remember the time he came in and he bought the coffee making machine and put it in his um, locker. Had a Rangers as well, you know. Did he? I mean, took it away. We had a great little dressing room in the um, at Harlington, and one day he came in and he bought this fantastic coffee machine, <laughs> and he had it all inserted into the um, in, in, into this locker, but only certain people could have the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Did were you, you get? Allowed, were you allowed? Were you it's allowed? our half. It's our just, half of the changing room. You so it's our half of the changing room. We had double shots and uh, <laughs> and sugar as well. It was all right. Here, the one thing I've noticed from tonight, particularly, is Joey Barton is obviously a polarising figure. A lot of fans, let's be honest, don't have a lot of time for him. But you don't hear that from players. You guys seem to have a hell of a lot of time for him. No, listen. On a serious note, you know, I know. He'll always polarise opinion, of course. You know, he's going to Fleetwood now and there'll be a, a, a massive cross-section of fans who have an opinion of him. I get it, you know, because he's always going to have that. He's always caught a controversy throughout his career. But like Clint said earlier on, he, he gets the best out of players who want to get the best out of themselves. Now, that's difficult, you know. When you got Kev will say, you know, he's play, we've all played with different types of players. Ones that just want to come in and just... Yeah, just turn over to, for two or three hours, and the others who want to go and achieve something. Now, the ones who we want to, you know, the, the, them guy, kind of guys who want to go and achieve, Joey pushes the buttons because he tests you. And I, I'm not sure I should say this, but I will. But you, you, you know, like when he'll knife you and he'll twist the knife on the way back out <laughs> just so he gets the full effect of that knife, and you just think, is this going to be a really bad turn? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Forgive the pun. But, I mean... This I, is like Belfast, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I had some major runnings with Joey, and I class him as a, you know, Clint did. I class him as a friend. Obviously, you know, I'm not playing for QPR no more, nor is Joey, but, you know, I, I look back at that time and I just think, you got the best out of me, because I just... I just used to want to like. You sent him out to right wing, mate, didn't you? That's uh, how. That's how well you did. West Brom away. Well delighted with that <laughs> during that West Brom game. Wasn't West he? Brom away. I'm not too sure what the result was, but Joey always wanted to play holding midfield, and Mark Hughes. We played a three-man midfield. Me in the holding. Tara- uh, sorry, um, uh, Ali Fallen on the left, and Joey just to the right of us. And um, after five minutes, Joey was like right in my space, and I'm going, Joey, just. Get yourself 15, 20 yards further forward. He went, no, no, no. He said, you shouldn't be playing there. It should be me. So Joe, I don't give a fuck what you say, mate. I'm playing in the holding midfield here, and you're on the right side. So after 20 minutes, is same. And we walked off, didn't we, at half-time. And I went, Joey, is it just me, or are you having a go at everyone? He went, no. He said, I'm having a go at you, because I think you're the worst player I've ever played at any level. <laughs> So I go, fair enough, no problem. So we've walked up the steps at the Hawthorns and got into the dressing room. And um, he's, he's got some ankle kind of strapping on his, um, on his foot. And as he's took it off, he's threw it at me. And as he's thrown it, I've ducked. But we used to have these, um, like, power shots, these um, Red Bull shots. And instinctively, I went... And threw, and he turned around, and it cracked him right at the back of the head and cut all his head. Claret, there was claret. Oh, he Where's just he? lost the point. <laughs> and Mark Bowen got in the middle of us and he just went, bang! And punched Mark Bowen. Mark Bowen was on the floor like that. <laughs> and uh, we were, we were laughing. Oh, Me and him were laughing so much. I, I was shouting over. There was about 17 people. How did you miss Mark Hughes? <laughs> Mark was in the corner. <laughs> And I said, lunatic, you're just a lunatic. And he rang me at home at four o'clock in the morning apologising. Unbelievable. But that's the kind of guy he is. Okay. Top man. We're not going to make this a Joey Barton podcast, but Kev, how do you think he'll do it in management? Because I think you were, were you coaching in Northern Ireland when Joey was in the coaching course or? Uh, No, I'm, no, I was a year. No, I missed him by a year. Uh, I think that's difficult. I, uh, I think it depends. It's all about how many good players you got. If, uh, if Fleetwood got good players, 
You've got some good players, they'll do well. You've got bad players, you're not going to do well. And it's that simple. Name so, huh? It's recruitment, isn't it? It's recruitment. If you get the right recruitment in, I've watched a lot of League One games. I think whoever gets organised, strong, gets someone up front who can score a goal. I know I'm, I'm saying the most obvious things, but it, pretty much this is how basic, how, how basic it is. You look at Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury come third, didn't they? I don't. I don't think anyone here could name a Shrewsbury player. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> McCann. But what my, my point being is, they're big, strong, organised. They got a chance of getting promoted. Let's see. The only thing I would say about Joey Barton is, how can he handle players of a lesser standard of quality that he's used to, and will it frustrate him? Or let him. We'll see. Yeah. No, I fully agree. I think the, the one thing that. Like from our experience with Joey is, is he likes to be in control. Mm. So if, if things ain't... If things Tell ain't the story cool. about the um, Sunderland away when he baked the cake. When he what? Beat the cake? Baked the cake. Too much salt. He baked the cake. So we had this, we had the, we had this weird... We're weirdos, aren't we? We had this weird thing where we thought, what can we do to make our, our, our trips away a bit more enjoyable? So we started with a quiz. That went tits up. Too many people got arguments. <laughs> so we started, right, we're going to start. Let's, let's bake some cakes. <laughs> God knows why. So, yeah, we had a little bake-off and things were going okay. And then we came up with the Sunderland trip, didn't we? And um, <laughs> so it was Joey's turn. What did he make? Did he make a carrot cake or something like that? He made this carrot cake and it looked beautiful, presented really well. So we started dishing it out. Lad started having a few bites and going, looking at it and going... So, do, do, do we tell him? Do we tell him this is that bad or what? Trying to like hold your breath in, isn't you? The salt was horrendous. He must have tipped about a ton of salt in there. The young keeper, Brian Murphy, the, the Irish kid, he went, This is horrendous! <laughs> and I swear to God, about two or three plates were launched at him at the end of, this, at the, end of the train carriage, weren't there? Launched like carrot cake, launched, and Joey's like, How dare you say my cake's freaking shite? <laughs> we're all ducking it, and diving. He threw like, this oh, cake this. at Brian Murphy. Got him clean on the side, didn't he? Then Anton Ferdinand had his music on too loud, so he started throwing sandwiches at Anton Ferdinand, and it just kicked off on a grand scale. We were laughing. We were laughing. And we were playing Pictionary. (laughs) Which was an absolute shambles. Pictionary. was, was, Was everybody scared of Joey Barton? I think there was a few. There's... I think there was a few. Of course there was. The, the way, the way he, he presented himself and the way he talks, of course, of course they're intimidated by him. But like you said before, if, if you've got to rise to that challenge. If you don't rise to that challenge, then you're going to shrink and you're not going to become the player that you're going to be. He wanted the best out of people. And did he, does he go about it the best way? Maybe he can improve on that. And that's where management and, and where he goes from there will, will determine things. Before we go to the... Finney's just broken a chair and also hasn't realised that he hasn't got a microphone and I have, so no one can hear him. So what I was going to say was, Dikito, who was scared of Dikito? Nobody went Dikito. Nobody went anywhere near Dikito. Nobody knew what he was going to do. If you wanted to play at the weekend. If you wanted to be out injured for a couple of weeks, go near Samba Dikito. Oh, touch tackle, over the knee, near the thigh, near the groin. Samba's brilliant, at it? Uh, just before we go to the next question, to the, 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 the two different generations, for want of a better word, of QPR players, who is the best cake baker and who is the best at Pictionary, Kev? Well, it was definitely not me. I've uh, <laughs> got to say, it was like a group of us, me, Gareth, Martin Rowlands, Birch... Tony Thorpe, and we would all be up at the back, and we'd like you'd have to draw a picture, and then the lads <laughs> had to guess what it was. Well, we were just on the floor laughing about how bad the artist, the art was. It was shambles. I'd probably say I was the worst. It was embarrassing. It was so. It was embarrassingly bad. But I, I want this answer to be Mackie for the best cake baker. There, there was two. There was two weeks. First week was Mackie, which was the best cake. Second week, it, it started and ended with Joey Barton. <laughs> we, never, we, we never baked another cake again. Fair enough. Next question. 
You mentioned about um, having to make cakes to make the away trips better. As QPR fans of the last few seasons, we've needed to make the away trips a little bit better. Um, we've got beer, and you guys obviously don't drink. Tonight you're on the isotonics and um, cappuccinos, but what was the best booze-up, so to say, after a game that you played in? What was the best celebration? Gallon. Gallon. <laughs> I think the Sheffield Wednesday the game. Because it's, it was such a long trip as well. It was, yeah, it was... I think we all came off. I think I came off that came off the coach and said to the gaffer, Ian Holloway at the time, I said, can't all these away trips be like this? It was that good. Yeah, we... As soon as, I think, um, as soon as we come back in the change room, showered, changed, straight in the bar, straight on the coach, yeah, it was brilliant. I remember Gareth Ainsworth didn't even take his kit off. We went to a nightclub... He still had his, his, his kit on from the, from the thing. He, he literally jumped up and headed the chandelier, broke it, and I paid maybe two or three hundred quid. So yeah, it was a good. That was a good. That was a good trip. There ain't better than that, really. Sean and Clint, and and whilst in your answer, tell us about that late mid-season trip away when we were in the Premier League. There was I, I can't even remember where it was now, but there was a Dubai, Dubai, and there were some problems I can't there, right? About Dubai. <laughs> My memory of Dubai is just completely... So I looked after you. <laughs> I folded you up in a few saxies, I think, mate. <laughs> no, the good thing about Neil Warnock... I, I don't want to mention Dubai... I was terrible, Paul. Um, I didn't play for six weeks, Harry. Didn't let me play. I don't know why, but I should have played, but I didn't. Oh, six-week hangover. Unbelievable. But we went to... Um, Neil used to take us back home, because he lived in... Um, Plymouth so um, he got the worst training ground ever it was like it was like that long grass but he used to arrive in an old MG didn't he like a soft top because he, he used to take us back to Cornwall so he could have an extra week at home and um, we used to play like Tiverton win 16-17-0 it was like a joke of a pre-season but Sharon his wife used to um, cook barbecues for us well these barbecues were like Unbelievable! They really were. What, good or bad? Well, we didn't say well, they were bad, but we didn't no, eat a lot of them. You couldn't, mate. We couldn't because we were, we, we were drunk. <laughs> you know, we, we, we didn't have a lot of food, did we? But he had a little, what did he have? A little nine-hole pitch and put course it's, in the back garden. And yeah. It was like it was, he had his kid playing with him. If you, if you beat his kid, you were in trouble. So Neil Warnock had a again. pitch and putt in yeah. his oh, back was, garden. Seriously, the greens were like Wentworth. Unbelievable! <laughs> it was a joke. No and wonder then, that gardener played in that to, match. I swear to God, mate. <laughs> And like you, before you even got to the, the little pitch and put course in the garden, there was a big pond. The Michael Brown boats. Pond, it was called. Michael Brown Pond. <laughs> Jagielka Golf Course. <laughs> Phil Brown Pond. And he used to, get, he used to get the kit man in there with the rowing boat, fishing. And, oh, he's oh, he brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I've got to just say, I mentioned, I don't know if any, any of the lads out there went to the IB for trip. <laughs> Heard about this one. Yes. What a trip that was. Unbelievable. So I remember we went, we got to the airport, we were at Stansted, and we got there a bit early, and our flight was about five or six o'clock, but we got there about one because there was a pub there, so we were all in the pub steaming. <laughs> then we had the biggest, biggest result ever, delayed three hours. <laughs> <laughs> yes, staying in, got there, got to Ibiza. Ian Holloway was there. He didn't know. We were absolutely paralytic. We've walked into the hotel. <laughs> he says to us, lads, here's a couple of sandwiches. Go to the bar and have a few drinks. Hey! You got, you got a curfew at two o'clock. Hey! It was about five, six. We had training in the morning, the training session. I've never seen anything like it. Me... Birchie, Gareth Ainsworth and Martin Rollins down the far end. We were just doing a simple 10, 15 yard passing <laughs> drill and we were, we, were, we were basically hiding down the far end and we couldn't pass it five yards laughing our fucking bollocks off. <laughs> we played 11 aside and I just remember just running away from the ball every time it come near me. <laughs> don't want to touch it, don't want to touch it. We then played that evening and Nolly said to us... Uh, do you want to have your night out tonight or do you want to have your night out tomorrow? 
So this was about 11 o'clock, and we said, now we'll have it <laughs> tomorrow. It's a bit late. He said, okay, make sure you're all in bed by one o'clock. Hey, we're out again. <laughs> well, this went on for the whole trip. We won the tournament, by the way, if you can remember. We beat Coventry in the final, who didn't have one night out, and we celebrated like we had won the European Cup. <laughs> I was captain, I'm doing this. I think Liverpool had won it in the, uh, the European and Gerard was doing this. I'm lifting up the IB for cups like, yes! And we're all like laughing. We yeah, we won, we won something. <laughs> well, so then we all went out with Ian and the staff and we get back to the hotel about two and he said, all right, everyone back to bed, everyone back to bed. So we all like on the way back, walking back. Well, we're definitely going out, lads, aren't we? We're definitely going out. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely going out. So we walked up reception, walked to our rooms, turned left where the exit, down the stairs, out. <laughs> I don't think any of us even got to sleep. We had to be at the airport at seven, and Gareth Ensworth turned around and said, who's stag do is it next year? <laughs> Very good. Next question. Hi, guys. This is a question for Clint. Um, if you remember the time when Steve McLaren joined uh, Harry Redknapp's staff at the beginning of the season, we were in really good form. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, just we were really good form. And then when he left to go to Derby, the form kind of tailed off a bit. I just wanted to talk to you about how much of an impact he made and whether it affected the team negatively when he left. So that's Toilet that's break. Well, yeah, I think. Cheers, Sean. <laughs> Sean's gone for a toilet break. Is that enough? Jeez. Anyone who wants to ask a question, by the way, just make yourself known. Clint, over to you. Yeah, um, listen, I think results and performance determine that. Like, Steve had a massive impact on us. He was a great coach. Um, I've worked with him both as a manager and as a coach. Um, and he had a big effect on us. He had us organised. Uh, he had us prepared uh, for, for numerous situations, you know. 3-5-2, um, 4-4-2, whatever you wanted to play at the time. Um, I think Harry, um, at that time, I thought he may be a little bit, a little bit tired of doing that day-to-day thing, so he got Steve in to, to oversee it, and then Harry can step back and observe and just do his thing. Um, but as soon as Steve left, then obviously someone had to fill that void, and unfortunately we didn't have anyone at the club to, to, to do that. Um, and it took a, a collective effort from, from Joey and a few of the boys just to go, listen, a void needs filling here. Uh, I mean, we've got Steve Blacken, who was inspirational, mate. He just turned the whole club around, give us a culture, not just us. I think backroom staff as well, they give a few talkings to. Uh, and just invigorated the club to try and achieve something. Bit of luck, of course, but th- there was no lack of effort and no lack of focus to go and do what we did. And, you know, thankfully we did it. Clint, whilst, whilst you, you've got the mic, explain... Tell us the story of what happened earlier this season because there was talk before you signed on with Carlisle that you were going to come back to QPR. So what happened Kev? there? Uh, <laughs> out the blue. I'm not going to lie to you. It was, it was out the blue. I, I, I talked to a few clubs and um, it was coming towards the summer and, and I thought, right, OK. I, I trained with Carlisle for a, a few weeks and I thought, yeah, that, that's where I'm going to go with Keith Curley, we all know. Uh, a great guy who's looked after me. Uh, I ended up coming to QPR. Um, they put me through numerous tests, um, a game, uh, a situation and everything. Um, and then it just came to talks and, and, and the way it was presented to me was I wasn't going to play. I was never going to play a game no matter what. Um, which, to, to, in a certain degree, if, if you're at that age, then in a certain play, you might go, yeah, OK, I can just sit around there and... Uh, and cheer the lads on in the dressing room but um, I've got an idea in my head where I want to finish playing I want to finish on my terms um, so I spoke to Les I spoke to Ian uh, and said listen if I'm not going to play if I'm not going to be involved if I'm going to be in the change rooms a cheerleader then that's not for me um, but thanks for your time um, I'd rather go somewhere where I can play and, and, and finish my career the way I want to play um, and, th- and that's the way it ended um, sadly I thought I thought it was a bit lucky at the time to, to come back to a club that I love, but unfortunately it didn't work out. But I had to respect both sides of it. And then you went on to become Player of the Year at Carlisle? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, listen. Not really bad. Thank you. Gemma. Ooh, sorry. Um, 
I, I struggle with the two ends of the spectrum that Clint, who's my legend, and discussing great things about Joey Barton. Anyone who knows me, I really struggle with Joey Barton. <laughs> but I'm hoping that you could kind of put one thing that I think one of the reasons I feel particularly badly about it was that when um, Warnock originally lost his job in favour of Mark mm. Hughes, the impression I have from A. Warnock's book... Um, Tony's book that I haven't actually read because I can't bring myself to do it, but Gary has provided me with the extracts I need. <laughs> um, yeah, screenshots. Um, and also um, the things that have been said to me by people who were close to the club at the time was that one of the big problems with Warnock from the club point of view was that Joey Barton apparently, and you can, I'm sure you're the people mm-hmm. to confirm or deny that, turned the dressing room to an extent against Warnock. And he influenced Tony Fernandez that Warnock was not the right person for the job. Now, that's what I've always believed was the case, which was why Tony Fernandez then, who obviously clearly knew nothing about football, got rid of Warnock in favour of Mark Hughes. But that's why I have... One of the reasons I have a massive issue with Joey Barton, because I'm not very good at forgiving somebody who wrecked our club. So I just wondered whether you could either confirm or deny being in the dressing room at the time... So, wrecked, wrecked the club. I, well, as I, in, I, I, felt, I don't like know how you should have still carried on playing. Mark Hughes was bought in. For me, Warnock shouldn't have gone in the first place. Yeah, I agree with that. And with the that. fact that Hughes then bought in all these great signings. So who wrecked the club in terms of... So Hughes did, but then Hughes should never have been put there. So I have two big issues with the club. One, Hughes should never so have we, been have signed. We, I'm not disagreeing with that. No, no, so no. I do apologise. Who have we got a problem with? Have you, have you got a problem with Joey who wanted... He wanted standards and, and, and expectations that he's adhered to as a player. And listen, he divides everyone. He divides everyone. And I can only speak like me and him. We've, I've, I've been with him day in, day out. Do people not like him? Of course they don't. Do, do footballers want to be challenged every day? Half of them don't want to be. They just want to just go through the motions. You know what I mean? But players who, who want to be challenged and freaking go to the extra yard, they'll agree to that and go, yeah, you know what, Joe, I'm on board. Now... For, for the decision for Neil walking, uh, Neil Warnock in the sack, can that be can that be passed on to Joey? Who, who's the leader of the football club? No, I completely agree. I but think I who's the leader I just of the sorry? Can I if just that team, if that team was as it was? But it did do well. It did. Yes. I remember going to Wolves and yeah. it had done really well and it started really well. Yes. There was only a few results where the stigma started to change, doesn't it? I think. You know, yeah. There was a few. Look, yeah, can I just step in here? I think there's one. One name that's nobody's ever mentioned, and that was the agent of Mark Hughes. Oh my God! Kia, Kia, Kia. You know when you talk about football and modern, yeah. the modern game, the impact, the impact of an agent is massive. Whether you like it or loathe it, they're there. And at that point, Kia Jabashian was like Mike the as well. biggest, biggest influence on uh, uh, Crystal Palace on uh, on QPR, and also Mike Greek, Mike Mike Rig, Mike Rig. Mike, so Mike Rigg was the one who was signing the players through Mark Hughes, but through Keir Jabashian. It was a scandal. Yeah. Now, you can, people can say about Joey Barton and Neil Warnock, I think they were, they, they were there in terms of like, the, the conversations. It was, it was the agent and Mike Rigg, from my angle. That's how I saw it, and I can only give my opinion. Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> Agree. I agree. <laughs> I agree too. I agree. So what, okay. Mike Rigg, uh, he came to the club. He was there six, seven months. Six or seven months. I've never known the word I would just say bullshit. Just absolute nonsense. I was in a few meetings, I just listening to it. It was just done a graph all the time, put up a a whiteboard and done the same thing and you're just like thinking, well, this is the most obvious thing ever, but it was like making out he was like a genius and I've just... The chairman the chairman got reeled in massively with Mike Reed because I, I actually was in Malaysia uh, on a, a football tournament and I met uh, the chairman and he said to me, he said to me, Kevin, we are going to get the most important signing this club will ever get. So now I'm thinking we're signing some proper player here. I'm thinking, Ronaldo's turning up. <laughs> and he said, Mike Rigg. And I went, 
in my head, I went, I just was like, who's he? I've never heard of him. So obviously, when I walked off, I'm Googling, who's Mike Rigg? So it's a bloke from Man City. So now I'm thinking, why would someone from Man... And this is no disrespect for QPR. Why would someone from Man City, who's like the richest club in the world, come to QPR? Think about, think about it. Why did he? he no, think, money. He think, no, money. think about it. And then that's no disrespect. Well, I, I know the level of QPR. We all know. This, we're not, QPR's a great club, the best club, my family, family club. But Man City, with their money, they're run by a country. Let's be fair. So you leave Man City to come to QPR, and I'm thinking, this don't look right. Well, because he had free reign, didn't he? Yeah. He earned a lot more money at QPR than he'd ever made at Man City. By the way, we just had some bad news. Southampton are 1-0 up with about a minute to go. There's always injury time. Question from Kevin. This is going to sound quite contrarian now to Clint and uh, Sean. What, apart from the Liverpool, the Liverpool game where we won 3-2... What, what vibe created that five games at home runs in the season? That, that really kept us up. Yeah. Great. It's a great question. Players. Momentum, Clint alluded to it earlier on. It was purely, you know, the desire of the players. I think also if you revert back to 12 months before, a number of the guys who got us promoted were reinvigorated to be starting in the starting 11 for the, you know, the, the running for the season. So, um... You know, we, we took a lot of strength on that. You know, I was obviously picked again and, you know, obviously Clint was playing and Jamie Mackey was back in the four and, you know, one or two others who had perhaps been left out at numerous times in the season were given a lot of, lot of joy to go and achieve survival. It was, um, it, was a, it, it was a great time. But I think it was that game. You know, you look at certain games within a calendar and you think, well... That Liverpool game in particular, just by the emotion of Loftus Road that Tuesday night, just give us a lot of confidence going forward. It was a really, really important night for us. And I think against we didn't beat with the greatest we didn't beat West Brom or we didn't beat, you know, one of the lower levels of the Prem we beat Liverpool. We beat Steven Gerrard, we beat, you know, Suarez, we beat that level of club and we knew that we were gonna go, come and meet that type of level of club again with Spurs and with obviously Arsenal coming up and it just gave us a little bit of belief belief in football is massive 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 you can never overlook that kind of that feeling when you come in and you're 2-0 down and you go and win 3-2 they're not three points they're nine points that's that's how we felt it was a great night great night got time for two more questions I think we've got one over here Uh, just a question for Kevin, really. Um, how good was Ray Wilkins? You, you played with him and you played under him as, as your manager. Well, sad, sad of what's happened with Ray. In a lot of, when he died, I was absolutely shocked. And I just sort of remember just coming in, I was 16 and he was at the football club, but I was watching him before... And he was just absolutely different class. As a let's talk about him as a football player. His passing, his his everything about him. He's just pure class. And then when you come in, he's a sixteen-year-old coming in from school, and you're actually in the changing room with Ray Wilkins, and like I'm turning, or everyone else, well, kids, I'm turning up in a tracksuit. Scruffy's turning up in a suit. So he's wearing a suit nearly every day. It's like, where's he going? <laughs> I think that was a Glasgow Rangers thing in the 80s. They all had to wear a collar and tie. And he, and, uh, he, but as a football player and trying to help everyone, he had time for everyone. He would um, give everyone advice, young players, older players, the captain, Adam Adel. He would talk to everyone and he ran the football club. Jerry was the manager, but Ray ran, ran the players, ran everything because everyone had so much respect for him. You got a player, you got a player in your team, eighty-four England caps, captain of England, Man United, Chelsea won that big at the time. 
but AC Milan, Paris Saint-Germain, Glasgow Rangers was big hitters at the time. Not anymore. Sorry, Clint. Are you sports Celtic? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. And, uh, but that's as a player, he was unbelievable. Advice, as a man as well, advice. The first thing he said to me when I came in, Kevin, get a pension, do a pension. So he would give you, like, financial advice. Go and get your pension, do your pension with a PFA. And I was like, what's he done? I was like, what are you talking What's a pension, PFA? I'm 16, 17, he's talking about a pension. I'm like, I'm miles away from a pension. I thought you'd get your pension at 65. No, no, you get one at 35, kid. Okay, yeah, I'll do it, race. And he just gave everyone, and he just had time for everyone. And I don't know if anyone, you guys probably met him, as a fan, and I bet he gave time to everyone. I bet he did. He gave time to everyone. Hello, so polite, such a good, good bloke, sad. And he sort of, as a football player, I've never seen someone who can pass the ball, awareness, both feet, everything. And they had this label, I think Ron Atkinson gave him the, right, the label of the crab, which was unfair. And I, and I heard him say it. It's just, he said it like it was a soundbite once, and it sort of stuck. He didn't, wasn't a, um, he wasn't a crab, he he could play through balls. He could. I was a crab. You were a crab. I, I was Definitely a, a crab. <laughs> Backwards and Your silence. label was very well deserved. <laughs> so, but Ray was just a great, great bloke. Sad. One of the best midfielders I think ever to play for QPR. Well, great guy as well. Oh. Can you remember when we played at um, Newcastle away? I don't know if you was you might have been on loan, but remember that? <laughs> Binned, more like. Wow. We played away at Newcastle, and Ray Wilkins was doing the co-commentary for Sky Sports. And Ray being Ray, he was massively, massively connected with QPR. Mm. You know, wanted to speak to all the boys. But he, he, managed, to, <laughs> he managed to get in the dressing room before the game. And he was there talking. He was there talking f- for a long time. And Mark Hughes wanted to start his team talk. Tell she was there, weren't you? That's right. It was his first game, yeah. And um, uh, 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 Mark Hughes wanted desperately to give his best team talk. And Ray wouldn't stop talking to the boys. You know, Ray being Ray the way he was, he just connected with everybody, you know. And I was sat next to him and I was like, this is Ray Wilkins. Legend. You know, and I was much rather like interested in Ray than what the gaffer was on about. <laughs> and five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, twenty minutes went on, and Mark had still not done his first team talk, <laughs> and Ray was just holding court. It was brilliant. He could, he could hold court. He was just, he was just great all round. Uh... Huh? Yeah, Macca's game. He was just there. He was. It was just like the old days. I mean, all the old players that uh, were there. And he just held court in the changing room. Jerry was there a little bit. It was like sort of a little bit on the back burner. And I felt a little bit sorry for Jerry at that because cause he was the manager. So there was a little bit of a standoff. And he was trying to have a little bit of banter. But the lads sort of looking at, well, yeah, get, you're the manager. So it was still a little bit like, yeah. and Jerry was trying to get him. But Ray just was holding court. He was just an absolute great legend, great guy. And what you saw on the TV with the way he spoke, he was just basically, that's how he spoke. Mm to everyone in real life as well, away from the TV. That's all he missed. Question. Hi, this is for Clint. Griffin Park, a couple of years ago. <laughs> when you're walking down the sideline, obviously there's that iconic picture with you biting the QPR badge and a big, bald Brentford fan having a go at you. Yeah. What words were said? <laughs> I ain't if got any. a clue what he's saying, mate. I swear to God, I was... I was gutted... I, I, Unfortunately, I don't think the result went for us that night, but managed to do my knee somehow. And I thought, I thought the worst. I thought I'd done me my cruciate at that time. So I was obviously I was gutted, and then sitting this no bed, um, <laughs> no bed. Let's put it right. Coming down the touchline, I just start deafening and blind, and then giving it all the big one like we are Brentford and your shit and all this kind. Of, which I've had, I've had quite a few in my career to be fair, but um, I just thought. I can't have this. I, I, I'd love to punch him, like. But <laughs> I'd love to fill him in, but you can't, can you? So the only way I could do it was just, like, just, just grab the badge and just put it in your teeth and just show him. And to be fair, I think I got more anger out of him, to be honest with you. But I don't think it went well for him um, later that night, apparently. I've, I've heard messages that yeah. he, he kind of got what he deserved. 
Not confirmed, by the way, but apparently. His, apparently his boss was a QPR fan. This is, this is what I've been told, and it didn't end well. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. Yeah, you've all shared your insights tonight about some of the managers you've played under in your time at QPR and at other clubs. Um, who are some of the best coaches um, that you played under your time at QPR that went under the radar, maybe didn't get the attention from the media or from us, um, and why, what made them good coaches? And also, of all the managers you've played for, could you say a little bit about the differences required between being a manager and being a coach? Are you a reporter? Well, for me, I, I say this to people and my friends, who's your best coach? And I will sort of say, well, the physio was like my best coach. And you're like, because I had so much problems of my knee, my hamstring, and I just thought, if I could get out on the pitch 100% fit, then I could, I could do what I have to do. And it didn't matter about who was a coach. When you're at your, I think football's all about confidence and fitness. If you've got the confidence and you're fit and you're 100% and you're as fit as you can be, you can do whatever you want. Coaching-wise, I mean, I started off with Jerry. He was very organised at four four two. Then Ray took over. He sort of took it over. But, you know, I look back. When you've got good players, anything can happen on the pitch when you've got good players. So I always think, where did I play my best football under which manager? And I look back on my QPR career. I played my best football under Ray Wilkins and Jerry at the start of my career and Ian Holloway. It between 2000 and 2005 so and we had good physios at QPR at the time so I always say that you've got to be fit so Ian Holloway Ray Wilkins Jerry Francis you love the Guinness show we used to have as well. I love it Sean Sean best coaches at QPR well listen I came with Neil Warnock obviously Harry Redknapp and Mark Hughes you know and I left under Harry not too long after he arrived, and I didn't really get on with Mark Hughes. Loved Neil Warnock, absolutely, but I was 32. You know, I came and I knew the game. I knew my game. I knew what I wanted to deliver on the pitch. And I'm not, listen, Clint will tell, I'm, I don't want to ever be perceived as being arrogant, but I just played my game, you know. I kind of like went out there and I played my game, and I, want, I, I knew what I was good at, I knew what I wasn't good at. And um, I didn't really need a manager, really. I just it's true. I if you if you know what you're good at, yeah. just go out and, and do it. As long as you get picked, that's the main thing. Yeah. Don't when I weren't picked. being picked, I was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. But when I was being picked, I didn't really need managing because I knew what my, I was never gonna be a guy who went and struck a fantastic shot by twenty five yards and it going in the top corner. But I could pass it from A to B and get the best out of players. So I didn't really need managing Dave. Do you know what I mean? It was always about like just Understanding what your role of the of the football club was, and I knew that my role was to come in and be a leader under Neil Warnock, one of four or five, six other lads, Clint being one of them, Jamie Mackey, Bradley Orr, Heidi Helgerson, that kind of character. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know. I mean, I was the best manager, wasn't I? <laughs> Clint, uh, I'm going to go a little bit against the grain. I'm going to say it, it's not a manager; it's a dressing room. I think your dressing room determines how, how important you, how you enjoy your sessions, enjoy your time at the club. Um, obviously, managers have a, a certain aspect to that and, and a certain development of it, but listen, Neil Warnock was brilliant for me, but dressing rooms create everything for me, and if you can create a great environment in that dressing room, everything else follows. Um, I was lucky enough to go to, I'm totally out of sorry, go to Saracens Rugby Club. Their whole ph- ph- philosophy is enjoyment. If you come into work in any work of life, if you enjoy your work, you're going to do better. Mm. So for me, I've enjoyed my best times in the best dressing rooms. And there's been, thankfully, there's been a hell of a lot. There's been a few bad ones, but thankfully I've been very lucky to enjoy a lot of good ones. Yeah, I agree. My best times at QPR. At the start, when I started off as a kid, Alan MacDonald, God rest his soul, and Ray and all them, Les... Clive Wilson, Dave, that dressing room, I was a kid. I'm in awe of them. I was a, they were 
absolutely hilarious. You'd love coming into training. It's like, can't wait. And then the second time round with Ian Holloway was the manager, Gareth Ainsworth, Birch, Martin Rowlands, Clark Carlisle, Danny Shue. I had the best laugh ever. Coming in training, we'd be playing head tennis. We'd be playing, we'd be out of a game on a Friday. I swear I'd be outside. And I look back, like stupid. Be playing for, do training. It'd be finished at half 12. You usually go in or save yourself. No, no, no. I'd be out for two hours playing head tennis because I just was loving it. It was brilliant. Didn't want to go home. Probably detrimental to what's going on on a Saturday because I'm knackered. But nah, nah, fuck it. This is much. This is much more important than a Saturday <laughs> because you know sometimes, lads, what happens in a five or eight aside in a in in a, in a in a in a club? How desperate is it to win? It's like life or you death. Go on fuming. If you lose, young, you lose a game. Remember Young v. Old. Like young v. Old. We still are. Young I don't v. Old. Want those buggers winning, mate. I'm no, old. I don't it was. Want those I was when I, yeah, when I was like started off, we used to have Young v. Old. Jerry Francis was young, uh, organised Young v. Old every Friday. Oh my God, it was win at all costs. <laughs> and if you lost, the old, I was young at the time, they would be giving you pelters and they'd be adding it up at the end of the season who'd won. It would be like a tallied up. And then when I was the older one, I was like, I'm not letting these youngsters beat me. No chance. Come on, lads. We ain't losing to these. But that's, it. I'm that's how it is. It was like life or death. It's, it's important on Saturday. A uh, quick question before we go. Can anyone explain what Kevin Bond did at QPR? <laughs> I think Kev got a hard, a hard job, mate. And what I gather, he was I, a I really nice a bloke. Job. He was a great guy, great guy, good football knowledge, mate, and such calm. And he never, never let things affect him. Good result, bad result. He's always the same. Very fair with the players. Always tried his best on the sessions. Above him, could have been better. That's all I'm going to say. So to, to put all that nastiness on, on someone who, who's done very well and who I respect as a coach. Uh, I can't agree with because okay, that, guy, that, that was a bit that was unfair question. It was just no, a no, lot, a lot, I'll, I'll answer it anyway because a lot of people, a lot of people said that he was just Harry Redknapp's no, driver. That's rubbish. That's rubbish, mate. Derry, it was, it was a very Derry's good coach. got the microphone poised. No, no, Bond answer. I think when you're a manager, you know, you you need a support staff that really support you, and whether you're trust, trust, absolutely. You know, you you, you need, uh, and it's not just about a manager and an assistant manager, but your support staff are everything. And I know it because I've been in it for a few years myself. So when you know you can come in, because there's a lot of, lot of moments in management where you kind of just... Listen, you only touch the players for an hour and a half a day. That is it. Gone. You'll never, ever speak to them again. But you spend more time with them guys around you than you do your own family. Mm. So for Harry, to have a Kevin Bond around him and to have you know, his support staff around him as close as they were must have been massive. So I don't think you can overlook the importance of a Kevin Bond in a football club. I'm not saying, listen, you know, you're probably right. I say, what did he actually do? Well, he didn't take too many sessions. But he was right next to Harry through good, bad and indifferent. And I think as a, you know, as a, as a manager, you need that. Hmm. OK, we're nearly at the end. No episode of Open All Ours is complete without Paul Finney. Uh, finishing it off and, and uh, thanking everyone for everything they've done. No, it doesn't. So over to you, Paul. Um, do you know what? Sometimes you think our club's just about Saturday afternoons and Tuesdays and Sundays and sometimes Fridays. How lucky are we to be sitting beside Kevin Gallen, Sean Derry and Clint Hill who've come to meet us. Can you imagine the gobshites down the road doing this? No. Can you imagine the wannabe gobshites? No. Can you imagine the gobshites that look like Stoke? No. How lucky are we? I love this football club. <laughs> and um, one, one thing, there's, there's two people who are having a bit of a hard time. Um, there's Tony Rand, son, Anthony, who's having a bit of a hard time, and... Godspeed, he recovers well. And my, my, my pal, whose who's mum's just been diagnosed as terminally ill, Alan Blue. Um, thinking of you, Alan, big man. Love you to bits. You're a QPR man through and through. And, um, you know, this club's special, and we should embrace that. 
Forget this shape we go through sometimes. Forget the arguments. Forget the infighting. We're fucking special. Do you know what I mean? Like, this club is amazing. You're sitting with these guys here tonight. Do you know what? West London is ours, and it will always be ours. Nothing else to say apart from Clint, Sean, Kev. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for coming, for listening. For this year, this has been the live edition of Open All Ours. (laughs) 